So, a little pre-podcast message here. We normally release a new episode every other Friday, but as you might have been able to tell, we did not release one last Friday and it is now Monday. We have decided to move our release date from what I like to call Friday High Day to Marijuana Monday. So from now on, we will be releasing a new episode every other Monday. Enjoy. Hi everyone and welcome to another episode of Smells Like Business, where you can learn more about the current and future state of cannabis, CBD and hemp in Europe. We talk to different cannabis experts and entrepreneurs, making it easier for you to enter and better understand the cannabis industry. I'm your host, Tom, and welcome to another episode of Smells Like Business. On this episode, we continue from where we left off two episodes ago with Margaret Arnold, who is a cannabis writer and cannabis journalist. On episode 45, we talk about Germany and its latest developments towards cannabis legalization. On this episode, we continue the discussion, but instead we look at how cannabis legalization in Germany might affect the rest of Europe, as well as how other European countries are progressing with their own cannabis reform. So let's dive in. So, Margaret, now that we have a bit more of an idea of how Germany will approach cannabis reform, what about the rest of Europe? Well, just the fact that Germany, beyond Luxembourg and Malta and and Switzerland, whatever they're doing, I think the fact that that has moved forward has absolutely galvanized other people and other movements. So, for example, in Spain, where the issue has been going back and forth and getting increasingly legally nasty to the point where one of the co-founders of the club movement Basically, now he's like in jail. Yes. What's his name again? Albertio. And he basically took his appeal to the European level Court of Justice, and they turned down the appeal earlier this year. So now on a federal level, he's been basically, he's got to report to jail every night. But in the meantime, there has been a renewed call in Spain to get the industry group to come together as an industry and to start to put some regulatory muster around, even if they're just going to start selling seeds and have a seed shop. I mean, that's what they're planning in Luxembourg. So I think that the fact that there are some real victories going forward, that both in the EU and you know Switzerland are moving forward, that there is, I think, a logic to this that is becoming inevitable after COVID. I mean, that's the other thing I think that it, all of this was going to move forward anyway. But I think that as much as COVID has interfered with, for example, the process of getting licenses or moving some immediate things forward on the ground, and trust me, almost everybody I know has been waiting for approvals of some kind. But I mean, beyond that, though, I think it has also pushed the discussion about why cannabis reform is so important now, including as an economic development aid, even if only on the medical front, but increasingly also for a tourist market discussion. It makes sense. And to leave this out of that conversation is increasingly stupid. And that is, I think, a conversation which is now absolutely front and center in Europe. As messy and as strange and as many debates still exist about whether CBD is a narcotic or not, even though it's already been decided once. I mean, there's going to be lots of those round robin stupid things. There's going to be outrageous ball drops. There's going to be drama and soap opera, but it's also the inevitability is forward progress and final and full reform. Yeah. I'm very curious to get your your two cents on this because on the show, I speak to quite a lot of European guests, but also I speak to people from Canada and North America. And I often try and get their two cents on like, hey, what do you feel you've done right? And what have you done wrong? And do you have any cautionary tales for us in Europe? From what I hear you're saying, it feels like we still need to go through that drama. We still need to figure it out for ourselves. 
Well, I would say that there are always similarities, but I would say that in general, this is going to be different. And I'll give you one very good example of this because it is the EU. In 2019, this is an incident I also talk about in my book, none of the European states right now have agreements on the same standards for EU GMP across borders. So selling this stuff across the state lines has been difficult. And on top of that, unlike Canada and unlike the U.S., you have literally federal sovereign states all in one big region. So by definition, the quality is going to be higher. Yes, I do believe that there will be incredible diversity. I mean, a lot of people are like, oh, it's going to be a couple of big players and that's going to be it. I don't think so. I think the cannabis industry inherently is like the craft beer industry. Oh, I hope so. I really hope so. I do so. I mean, there, you know, there's no way they cannot stop people from growing this plant and making things from it. And trying to do that is about as stupid as trying to you know, ban wheat, honestly. And that's where this is going now. How that tax structure, how that licensing structure is imposed is a whole nother kettle of fish. And I will say that I expect that there are going to be some very expensive food costs. There already have been. I'll give you one example. The German government, after you know, saying, oh, we're only going to have three cultivators, allowed, I mean, at this point, there are over 100 German specialty cannabis pharmacy distributorship licenses that have been issued. There's been no control on that. Are all of those 100 firms going to survive? No. Did the government do that in a fairly, I would say, direct bid to get licensing money? Sure. That is something that has happened in every legalizing jurisdiction, including places like Nevada. It is one of the places, you know, one of the reasons, for example, I think that certainly on the cultivation front, not only Germany, but also places like Spain have been very, very cautious about issuing federal cultivation licenses, especially in the beginning, because they're afraid that, again, these are just going to get flipped like commodities. And here's the next thing. It's not just the Canadians who are coming into the European market at this point. It's Americans with cash. And that is something that the European market really needs. The flip side is most Americans, and I, I mean, this is true still, of, and I'm going to be very direct about Canadians too, really do not have a sense of how the market has developed so far or will develop. It is different. I'll give you another example. So one of the clashes that I get into all the time is this EUBO which is basically the regulatory environment for organic goods. Well, cannabis ultimately is going to have to be grown organically, whether it's going to be used for food and medication or whatever. Hemp as well, of course. Well, I mean, hemp is different, right? I mean, hemp, if you're going to be using it for you know, industrial purposes and cement, it doesn't have to be. It can be grown in a you know, toxic waste dump and yeah. then used for that kind of thing. But if it's going to be used for human or pet consumption or animal consumption, there are other kinds of regulatory laws that it's going to instantly hit on that it has not yet, even in Canada. And EUBO versus novel food is a big one. Here's what's interesting, though, about what's happening in Switzerland. The Swiss are not only lifting basically EUGMP, but also EUBO and novel food. You know, it has to be clean, right? But they're saying, okay, if the cannabis we're going to include in our trial has to be grown in Switzerland, and there are going to be, I would say, you know, food safety and et cetera you know, laws that are applying, but novel food, they're flipping, EUGMP, they're flipping. So a lot of people, you know, within that initial trial are going to be able to get into the market without having to meet the very high regulatory structures that are going to be here across the board in Europe once this gets going. And I think this is the other thing, right? So the Swiss are approaching this in a very interesting way. Luxembourg yeah. and Malta are setting this one out right now. So Germany is actually going to be the first on the front I guarantee the edible conversation is going to be extremely 
contentious, just the way it was in, say, the U.S. and Canada. I don't think, for example, it's going to be possible to find a legal 100 milligram THC gummy bear like you, for example, initially did in the U.S. and Canada. So I think that some of those big whoopsies that were caught out in the earlier markets will probably not be seen here because of the difference in the regulatory environment. But trust me, I mean, this is cannabis. There will be something else. And to the extent that even the Canadians, I mean, the big companies coming in on the Canadian side were having pesticide scandals as they were being selected by the German government for the medical bid. So trust me, we're not, we're not out of the scandal, you know. Mm-mm. No, 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 no. Not by a mile, no. But that's one thing that is good about Europe or the EU. They do have a lot of regulatory standards. So I do think in the long run, and when you think of longevity in the industry, I do think that's a good thing. And, and like you said, it's a narcotic. It's a plant. It absorbs all these things. It goes into our body. So 100%, it needs to be regulated. And, you know, we need to figure it out. You know, I work in the industry. Obviously, I think that there's, you know, I see the need for regulation. The flip side here is that, and this is something that as an American, I will say, I wish that there was more diversity in this industry. There is still an incredibly high bar financially to get in and operational. That's probably never going to go away. But what I would like to say, and, and this has really not hit Europe yet, but I'm sure that it will be, is the concept of diversity. So if, for example, I mean, you might be the most slick, shark-focused, bottom line, I want to make a profit every single quarter, come hell or high water kind of person. Okay, there's room for you in this business right now. Absolutely. But the flip side is that has created, unfortunately, apart from supply chain issues, some really overpriced and overpricing that's going to start to come down. And I think as the market normalizes, there will be opportunities for more and more kinds of groups and people and firms to get into it. And I think that that's really critical. I mean, you don't have to be a master cultivator. You could, for example, come up with a really cool way of, you know, I don't know, you know, a product that everybody really loves. I mean, I don't know. I'm waiting for, you know, hot chocolate cannabis. I mean, those are the kinds of things that particularly when you start to find different groups of people who are not the traditional, you know, stoners or don't smoke or don't want to smoke and are coming to this now as sort of the wave two, 2.0 of the cannabis acceptance, they're going to be grandparents. They're going to be kids who don't smoke and have epilepsy and, and want low CBD. They're going to be people who, for a variety of reasons, want options that have never been available so far because of the regulatory issues and basically the illegal nature of the industry or the extremely limited piece of this as it's been rolled out. But there's a range of innovation. It's just, I think the basic issues and and regulatory environment on the basic ground level of reform is not really going to hit here, I would say, between two and five years. And I think that next year they're going to legalize it, which means it's a decrim, which means if, you know, the police bust into your apartment, for example, and you have a grow going on or you're caught on the street, I think that those things are going to get dealt with at most with an administrative fine if you're underage or don't have the small license or whatever. Like I said, I mean, Germans, apart from being, you know, rule obsessed, can be extremely practical about this. And I think at this point, you know, it's like, okay, we're moving forward as a government, as a country, we have to deal with this and we may not always like it, but there are some upsides like tax dollars and getting rid of the black market and, 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 and. So it's going to be legal and regulated. And I think That in and of itself is a great day for the industry, not only in this country, but across the region. Okay, interesting. So obviously Germany is taking this approach, and I also think they're going to be the industry leaders. But then we talked a little bit about uh, Luxembourg and also Malta. Maybe you could elaborate a little bit because they are taking a little bit of a, a different approach. 
Okay. Well, first of all, I think the other country I want to sort of put on the back burner here is Portugal, because okay. they were supposedly you know, going to be moving forward with a regulated industry, and now that's been put on the back burner because they had to reorganize their government. But I would say that generally the countries that have been talking about moving forward on recreational reform has started with Luxembourg, whose new government in 2018 said, by 2023, we're going to have a recreational market. Now, they have just rode that back significantly. So it is pretty much in line with Malta. So there's going to be, I would say, a regulated seed market. And that's about it, you know, and Hungary. Switzerland, being outside of the EU, has really taken a forward motion on this. So as of next year, Switzerland will have a recreational market that will be run canton by canton or Swiss state by Swiss state. And the people who can participate are people who have to prove that they're regular cannabis users. <laughs> oh, really? Okay, okay. Beyond that, of course, you'll be able to go to a pharmacy and buy cannabis with or without a prescription. And they're going to set up the clubs. So what they have said in Switzerland is, we don't want any cannabis coming into the country for this. And we are basically going to run our medical and recreational trial as a blended whole. That is also, I think, the model that you're seeing in places like the Czech Republic, although they have not really moved forward on the recreational side as much as other people. Now, I think Malta and Luxembourg, I would say, are going to be about the same. There's going to be a seed market. There's going to be a homegrown market. And that's going to be used as a stepping stone to then create some sort of commercial space. Do you think that might help create more of a local economy later down the line instead of going straight in with full commercialization and then we need to import everything? And then, you know, those relations have already been made. I'm wondering if you take this slow approach, will that actually help? Basically, I think recreational reform is going to create that. I'll give you a great example. Actually, at the last ICBC, there was a Danish company that had done a 3D printed extraction machine, home extraction machine. This is like, you know, basement entrepreneurialism. There's going to be joint rolling machines and paper manufacturers and T-shirts and, you know, CBD cookie makers. I mean, this is going to be a huge cottage industry. The question is, where do you get your regulated cannabis from? I think that's going to be the real issue. I think at least in the beginning, certainly in a place like Germany, there is going to be more of a push, I think, at least by the authorities to kind of try to push producers into getting it from international sources and the GMP market. That is not going to be successful forever, given the fact that there is already significant hemp production going on in Germany. Now, from a price perspective, it still makes a lot of sense to source your cannabis in bulk from another place where it's cheaper to grow it. There's a longer growing season. Maybe labor rates are not as expensive as long as as power. But I mean, those are all discussions that go into an evolving industry. I think Switzerland has the trade relationship with Germany and Austria under the DAC relationship and trading relationships. So I think that what happens in Switzerland is absolutely going to impact what happens here. And of course, the conversation has been more evolved here now that there has been medical reform. So I think for that very reason, the German market is probably going to look much more like the Swiss market. Except for the fact that they're not going to waive regulations. I can't see that happening just because the market is already so evolved, because there's so much cannabis coming in, because if you're, you know, if people are really honest, there is already a shadow recreational market to begin with. If you look at the names of the cannabis available at German pharmacies, people who have private health insurance can now go get Gorilla Glue or White Widow. So I think that really the German market is probably going to follow the Swiss market. I think Luxembourg, Malta, probably Italy are going to follow that, right? And France, Who knows? The British, who knows? Who knows? Yeah, yeah. But I mean, this is the thing that I really don't understand about what's going on in the UK right now, because given the fact that the country is now separate from Europe, 
one would have thought that, you know, this might have moved a little quicker there. The, the one difference I think about the UK is that for many years it has been the top, if not one of the top world cannabis exporting nations. It's just under one company with a royal warrant, basically, a monopoly. That in and of itself is a political discussion that has to be solved. But I think that the UK is not going to have a choice. I really, I just, you know, Brexit is a a self-harming kind of thing. I mean, I grew up in England when they were just joining Europe. I remember, you know, how cool it was to suddenly be able to afford oranges and stuff from the continent. And I think that that is probably going to level off. I think the cannabis discussion is absolutely going to be in the middle of this. And what's shocking is, I guess there's just so many other things like, you know, basic supply chain issues. But why it is that the people there have not seen this as a perfect opportunity to start to seed a new industry? And I think that part of it is, again, just, you know, it's regional country specific issues about moving forward. And I think tragically, the Brits are going to be left behind. And in this one, it is the Germans who are powering forward in Europe. They are absolutely going to flip the switch everywhere else. They're going to be the most significant and uh, will definitely drive reform just about everywhere else, even as much as there are ball drops and mistakes and you know nobody does it perfectly. I agree. It looks like Germany are paving the way. So super, super interesting. Oh, one little thing is uh, North Macedonia. They kind of talked a little bit about having a cannabis industry as well, but I haven't heard too much recently. Do you know what the latest is with them? Well, I mean, I've been involved in the North Macedonian conversation at this point for about four or five years. There have been the traditional scandals there, starting with who got the licenses and how close they were to the president's family. Okay. okay. You know, look, it happens everywhere. I mean, that's, that is a common reality that's happened in every legalizing market. It's not fair to just point, the, point your finger at the North Macedonians. No. I would say that the fact that they're not in the EU has complicated that discussion hugely. I know that there are a couple of firms who have managed to get EU GMP. I know that there is uh, distribution starting. They're certainly trying to get flour into Germany and least extract across the border into Poland. I know that there are also firms that are importing floss from other parts of the world into Macedonia for processing. It is going to be an absolute market. I would say in terms of ease of entering, certainly the Czech Republic is at least as interesting as North Macedonia. However, the flip side is the North Macedonians have managed to make a whole bunch of noise, in part because I think that they are trying to be a part of the European Union. And they're also competing against Greece, where, you know, again, there's been a whole lot of heat and noise about the industry. And so far, it really has not developed. I think that Portugal, Greece are absolutely two big comers just because warm weather, cheap labor, and it makes a lot of sense no matter what happens. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So what steps do you think government bodies, legislators, and even companies here in Europe need to do in order to help make that happen? Well, I think, first of all, leaving out a lot of the BS, which has so far been a part of this industry, I don't see that, unfortunately, changing. I mean, I think that there have been a couple of really big shocking news here in Germany where people who don't perhaps have the best reputation have also now managed to raise additional funding. It is, by definition, a new kind of industry, and there are always going to be people who are really good at going out and raising money, even if their track records aren't so great. Beyond that, I would say that a lot of the earlier scandals that we saw, like pesticides or et cetera, are not going to be as prevalent. Beyond that, though, I think as the supply chain begins to normalize, you're going to see more of a consciousness about who can actually afford this drug. And I think the desire to actually serve different levels. I mean, right now, it is still an elitist drug. You have to have money, right? So I think that that in terms of an ethical, sustainable way, those prices in terms of even generics have to come down. 
Beyond that, I think sustainable production is absolutely in the room. Green greenhouses, sustainable production, all of that needs to be tied in spades to this plant because, of course, it takes a lot of water and electricity to produce it inside, which is a requirement for the medical market. So right off the bat, you've got a whole bunch of very, very complex issues. Yes, this industry needs to use less resources to produce good quality stuff. But again, then there's costs. So, you know, organic is not cheap. But I think that there is an opportunity, right, to lead the way on some of those practices with this. So I think that there are lots and lots of opportunities that are coming. Well, hopefully we can help pave the way there a little bit as well. Great. So I only have a couple last questions, which are questions I usually tend to ask all my guests. And the first one is, what advice would you actually give to a, an entrepreneur who's thinking about entering this exciting but still quite uncertain industry here in Europe? Research is the first thing. Understanding the market, big, big, big issues. Don't think you're going to be a millionaire tomorrow. There are lots of quirks. And you know, getting in is a matter, I think, of really understanding the business and building your business organically. Yes, there will be a few people who manage to knock out of the park, but I think that those are going to be the exceptions rather than the rule. And I don't think that's sustainable. And uh, what you also said at the beginning, which completely I agree with and, and resonates with me very, very much, is that this industry is growing. In Europe, it's still somewhat a nascent industry or still very infant. And, uh, you know, don't create competition, create collaborations. I don't think competition is unhealthy, but I think where we are at the moment in this industry, we definitely need to help each other out, you know. So. We do. And there are many opportunities to do that. I mean, obviously, yes, there are going to be competitors everywhere. But I think that ultimately, the people who are going to be most successful are those who understand their market and then try and create cooperative outreach or measures or education across the board. Because, of course, reform is not done. And the people who are still leading this the hardest are patients because they have to. They have to. Exactly. Okay. well, then the very last question I have for you is if you could go back in time, is there anything you would do differently? Me personally or... It's funny. Actually, people interpret that question differently. So I usually leave that to people's interpretation. My initial thing is, is you personally, if you go back in your life, is there anything you do differently? But some people do take it sort of more like, oh, if I could go back in any time and change something in the world, what would I change? So I leave that up to you, actually. Well, here's my thing. I am accepting, I would say in my life, that I have to be grateful and, and mindful of the reality in which we live. And since you cannot change the past, I would say that the only way you can do is assess where you are and try and make it better. And that sort of, I think, applies to cannabis as well as sustainable world strategies going forward, if not good strategies to live in and work around other people. But I have to say, I have, Tom, I have absolutely really enjoyed this. And thank oh, you really? so much for, for having me. I would not have changed this at all. So I'm very glad. Okay. Oh, I'm, I'm super happy to hear that. That's really good. I felt a little bit slow, you know, when you're a bit, got a bit of a cold, my head was a bit blocked. So it took a bit longer to formulate my thoughts into sentences. So I, fortunately, I don't think that came across too much. And it was, I mean, it was wonderful. I, I felt I learned so, so much today. It was super insightful. You bet. Well, thank you so much for having me on and happy holidays. Yes. Happy holidays, Margaret. So that was Margaret Arnold. If you want to find out more about Margaret and what she does, then check out her website at cannabis101.de. You can also find her on LinkedIn, and I highly recommend getting her book, Green 2, Spreading Like Kutsu, if you're interested in learning more about the events that led to Germany deciding to legalize cannabis. Also, please do check out our website at www.smellslikebusiness.com and subscribe to this podcast if you like what you hear. I've been your host, Tom. Have a green day.
business. Smells like business.